Fashion Headline is back, ladies and gentlemen. Today is Friday, December 16th, 2022, and we now are hearing all about the pending recession that's going to hit the United States and it's going to hit this country hard. Welcome, everyone, to BHS Live. I'm your trader, Todd Schoenberger, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Tobin Smith. And Toby, I got to say, this has been a horrible week for Wall Street. The worst trading week since September, Toby. We have seen stocks go down three straight days since the Federal Reserve came out with their 50 basis point rate hike on Wednesday. And this is our second straight losing week. Toby, what do you think right now? Are you th- are you seeing the recession fears where you are? Because I know in New York right now, everybody is very scared. Well, yeah, it was sort of interesting. I was, um, I was at a store before I uh, got to my office here and um, places are not packed. I mean, I- I'm living in a high-end uh, hood uh, and, you know, you would think this close now. I'm this is Friday, not Saturday, Sunday before, but this is like the last you know, shipping days, shopping days, particularly if you're going to be traveling. <clears throat> you know, that's the scientific algorithm of the 85255. Okay, but when you saw the when you saw the retail numbers, and remember, you should just put a sign underneath my neck here, broken record. But <laughs> but when you go to the store and you buy a unit of peanut butter and it's two bucks, and then six months later you buy a unit, one thing of peanut butter, and it's two dollars, you know, it's it's five dollars, you know, two dollars more. Well, the sale price, the, the the revenue to the store goes up, but the unit sales haven't gone up. And what we finally got to in retail is now they're seeing okay. First off, we had to cut prices. So we're going the reverse. But even when we cut the prices in nominal terms, yeah, uh, not real terms, but actual, you know, including inflation, the, the units are down. And and so that's right. You multiply that over all the retail stores, all of the pull forward that people have had, um, you know, of, of all the stuff they don't need anymore. Um, guess what? Uh, this yeah. is the this is what I've been waiting for, Todd. This is what I've been talking about for for ages, which is bad economic news is bad for the stock market. Yeah, because remember, yeah. everybody's been like sniffing glue or something. Bad week for sniffing glue, right? All I see is Lloyd Bridges in my head. But everybody's been on this mythology of the Fed pivot, and as soon as we got some data where uh, you know inflation had peaked, that was setting up the Fed, the Fed pivot. Well, what they they still didn't understand really till uh, Uncle Jay Powell finally. They looked him in the eye, looked in the camera. This is the one that got me. A guy from a, a, a junior dude from a financial business network that I will not comment on asked the question to Powell, Chairman, you haven't discussed the idea or the concept of raising your inflation target from two to, let's say, 3%. And he just ripped into that kid and said, read my lips. The inflation, our target is 2%. We're not going to move the goalposts. We're not going to, that's the goal. And we will do what we have to do to get there. And what we're going to do is going to be painful for employment. It's going to be painful for the GDP. It's going to be painful for me telling you the same story for the next year. But th- there is no choice. The idea, the concept that somehow the Fed has been, you know, this has been their target for, you know, 12 years. The Fed can't go, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, our target's now 3%. Their credibility yeah. goes totally out the window. And then the dollar drops and uh, GDP drops. And yeah. then all of a sudden bonds go crazy because nobody trusts them. And when bonds go crazy, everybody who's listening still need to remember that the entire bond market is about 120 trillion dollars and the stock market on a you know relative basis you know is maybe 40 45 trillion so the bond market is the most important thing here um and they yeah. ha- they, they have no choice so get that out of your freaking head the other well, thing we- that 
Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I say the other thing that we've talked about for months and months is yes, we have had a the peak inflation rate, you know, CPI, PCE, it's somewhere near eight to nine percent, depending on how you do the numbers. And then you take the core and the highs were like seven to seven and a half percent. But the Fed funds rate <clears throat> is only three percent. The three percent is not going to do anything that you have to get above. So now they're finally also said we're going to cut or we're not going to cut rates. We're going to raise rates until it gets over this nominal inflation rate. And then we're going to do it on, on, the, on the core. So they take out food and energy. The problem is that the sticky stuff and the stuff that he finally addressed was, hey, guess what? You know, those service wages, they went up six percent. Yeah, um, they're not coming down because we have this tremendous mismatch between supply and demand. So guess what? We're going to have to cut demand. You know how you cut demand? You raise interest rates. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, because it's a tightening so, cycle. You raise rates and therefore banks, they're going to have to raise rates when they go out and lend to borrowers because they're borrowing at a Fed funds rate at a higher rate as well. And so they're yeah. looking to make a profit. So yeah, that's the way you're supposed to curb it. And we talked about this actually on Wednesday's show as well, or on Tuesday's show, excuse me, yeah. when, when we talked about how Powell needs to come out and be pessimistic because you can't have him say, okay, we're at the tail end of this tightening cycle, because if he did that, that stocks and stock, stock market would have just rallied, and therefore you're creating this wealth effect that uh, that's that it's artificial, and he does not want to have. Power. Yeah, and Todd, that's you know we did talk about that. You know, it's two days, so I forgot everything we ever talked about. But <laughs> you know, feedback loops can be negative or they can be positive, meaning that one is a you know a upward spiraling where more of something creates more of something, more demand, more demand creates right. Nobody understands the downward spiral effect, the negative effect. And the wealth effect of the last 10 to 12 years was, I say, what the average home price used to be $165,000, and now it's $485,000. Yeah. The stock market, instead of going up 7 to 10%, you know, annualized a year, went up 17%, one seven. Right. And the fact that if you went to Economics 101, you get to the fifth page, it says when the Fed can only do two things. They can drain money out of the money system uh, or put money in, into the system to stimulate demand, and mm-hmm. or they can raise interest rates or lower them. Well, we've never been in a situation where we, A, had a war in EU, B, we have a complete realignment of almost every part of the global economy, particularly when it goes to energy. We have Europe in a serious recession um, and uh, you know subsidizing their net gas prices in Germany to like $1,500 a house. I mean, mm-hmm. it's... Mm-hmm. it's uh, uh, so... You add it all up, the recession is going to happen. It's going to be, but we've already had rolling recessions. I mean, we've, the recession in the, you know, I have a friend um, uh, who's big time in the residential real estate, man. He says, I'm going to Mexico, man. I haven't sold a freaking house in two months. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, the mortgage we have Loan Depot, which is a public company. They had the worst timing of all time. They came public at the peak of, of the lowest part of mortgage rates. And, they, and, you know, they used to have signs in front of their office. You know, we're hiring hundreds of employees. Please call us. <laughs> now I ride my road bike past there on my, on my workout, and half of the place is closed. There's no signs. I mean, so we've had these rolling yeah. recessions on a sector basis, but now we can't get the f- sticky inflation, the shelter costs, the rents. Rents have started to come down, but on a year-over-year yeah. year basis, we got to get to next year for that to get into the inflation index. You understand that? I mean, yeah, just because it's down from 5% to 4%, let's say, rent hikes, but it's measured year-over-year. Year. And, yeah. and, you know, so- um, And what's that surprise? Because the Fed has actually started that. When they're, when they're hiking rates, 
And then you see mortgage rates go higher. The affordability factory breaks in and people can't can't go out and buy a house. So what do you need to do? You have to have shelter. You got to go rent the place and therefore more demand for rents. And then you have obviously the owner's equivalent rent. Right. Rents go up. But but the, the most important thing I think to understand now in, you know, let's say for the next six months or so, bad news in the economy is bad news for the stocks because bad news was good news because people assumed because there was bad news that the Fed was going to stop hiking their word about, you know, snuffing out the economy. Todd, their job was to, is to snuff out the economy, to take yeah. part of that, you know, get rid of this supply and demand imbalance, because otherwise right. we're a 72% you know, GDP is services. And the uh, the Hobbit hamburger place, which I love, happens to be a public company. Uh, I'm not recommending it, but I'm just saying is I really like their burgers. When I went to get the <laughs> burger today, the burger was $14.95. What? Fourteen ninety five. It was a really special that? burger. That's but one hell of a think, burger. Do you get anything yeah. with it? Do you get a milkshake? I, 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 you get a laurel and a hearty handshake, right? But <laughs> but uh, for, for you and Blazing Saddle fans out there, uh, and no, I haven't been drinking. Um, but the the biggest issue is that now, as we get bad news, we flip the, the, the switch here. Now, bad news means less earnings. Less earnings while interest rates are going up means you're going to get a lower multiple on your earnings per share, which are also negative. Yeah. So 65 or 70% of the appreciation, actually, I can tell you what it is, 70%. Stocks went up 10% since 1989, right? On average, you had some bad years and so on, but that was the average. When, when the, the NASDAQ went up 22% for 10 years in a row, and the S&P went up 17%, their earnings didn't go up that fast. But the multiple people were willing to pay was, was because since it, it costs nothing to borrow money, you as a bank, you as a hedge fund, you as a, a sovereign wealth fund, you could borrow money since it didn't cost nothing. And that allowed you to pay a higher multiple on the earnings for companies, particular growth companies. Because I remember, you know, it's hard to forget that I remember this time that we've had below 2% growth for 10 years, right? So the only growth you could get would be from a, a, a software as a service company that once they got $100 million in revenues, like the next contract they sold didn't cost them anything more. It's just moving electrons. So those were great businesses. And of course, then we had the pandemic and everybody wanted to digitize. So they sucked forward five or 10 years of, of demand in an 18 month period. Never, you know, never seen it before. This is much more like World War II, Todd, the inflation rate. Because when World War II started, man, every inflation went like crazy is crazy. Mm-hmm. And because of scarcity and so on and so forth. And then slowly after the war ended, you know, things started to get back together and inflation started to come down. But the average price of a house in Southern California, where I grew up, was $2,800 to $3,500. Yeah. And yeah. the mortgage payment on that, because you got a GI Bill, 30 years, your mortgage payment was like $8 a month. I mean, literally. <laughs> the first wow. house I bought was from a guy who was paying $29 a month. In the last year, of his 30-year mortgage on a house in, in, in Long Beach for my purchase price, which was $82,000. That's incredible. So, yeah. So, I mean, people just don't know the history of this. And now we're, now we're finally getting to the point where... The Fed rates are starting to bite, but they take one and a half or two years to really get into to, to the real economy. So therefore, the idea of a Fed pivot in like January, which what people were talking about in February, is complete and utter. And I'm going to say this word, horseshit. Horseshit. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Well, I think, you know, if you look at the Fed 
um, hikes over the past several meetings that they had, the the reaction, you know, Powell came right out. He said, look, I need to see inflation down. And and then we're going to once we see it, that once we see inflation truly dropping to that target, then we know then we can start we can stop hiking rates. But this and then all of a sudden, a couple of weeks later, you talk about the pivot. The narrative starts coming around Well, they're going to pivot eventually. The, the, yeah, right. The difference between this time, it does seem like once the retail sales numbers came out yeah. on Thursday, yeah. that seemed to be the trigger that really sent the market drop. And we were up, we were down, the Dow was down over 740 points on Thursday on, on the heels of what the sell-off happened on Wednesday. And then on Friday today, with Dow's down, what, 280 points. I mean, the sell-off is going to continue because now, like you said, bad news is bad news because now that recession bug is really it's real i mean you had goldman yeah, well, Sachs this morning talk about four thousand layoffs yeah. you have tech companies that have already been laying off and they're talking about cutting staff in double digit percentages i mean this is going to continue into 2023 and we can only assume that this recession isn't going to be recession late i know you keep saying that i no, just don't see it right now i think it's, it's going to be pretty dire it's, it's going heavier i mean it was yeah. recession light um in the case that uh, that the Fed, you know, would stop at the at the four and a half percent, whatever, mm-hmm. and and or remember, we still are going to have five percent unemployment, which every other country in the world would, you know, give their left nut for. What's what then happens is, and what people are now reacting to is, if you have a model, if you if you actually value stocks, Todd, as opposed to just you know buy them, YOLO, FOMO. When you have a model for the fourth quarter, and you've seen. October, November, and December going straight downhill like on the Matterhorn in terms of, of, of actual earnings. And then you see the layoffs. Now, now you have to price in a recession. And it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be like the financial crisis recession because we don't have the same situation. But housing is building them and renting them is, uh, you know, 26% of the GDP of the United States. Healthcare is $4 trillion. Right. Um, and yeah. uh, it's a 100% service industry. And then, you know, your fixed costs. So people are going to tighten their belts when they tighten their belts and lose their jobs. Then mm-hmm. then you start to get a, you know, this downward cycle. And the, the belief was, well, as soon as that thing really starts to falls off the cliff, well, that's it. The Fed's done. That's not the that's not the fact. Yeah. Well, you have 7 percent CPI and 2 percent is your goal. And yeah. it takes one and a half to two years lag to really get into the real economy. You guys and said it from the beginning. You have to smother the freaking economy. Now, in the old days, when you said smother economy, we had a 12% unemployment rate in the late 70s, early 80s. When we smother this economy, maybe we're going to have a five, five and a half percent unemployment rate. So, you know, it's a different context. It's a different macro environment here. But if you're a multi, you know, multinational company and Europe, all 560 million of them are in recession, except for Norway. God bless Norway. They have like 980,000 citizens. Their oil fund is worth now $2 trillion. So divide 98,000 by 2 trillion. Yeah. Those people are living large. But Wow, you're right. Europe as a whole and and you know up to 56% of the earnings from big global US multinationals come from Europe and come from you know other parts of the world. So, you know, we just have to deal with the shock and awe that they are mm-hmm. the Fed is going to say what do you do when the Fed 
makes money free, don't fight the Fed. Buy growth stocks. When there you go. When the Fed is raising rates, don't fight the Fed. Don't buy growth stocks. You know, like this week, our average portfolio was up three and a half percent. You know why? That's really good. Yeah, because we own oil product tankers, diesel product tankers. We own solar energy, all the stuff we talk about in this Brexit where people are leaving Russia, exiting Russia, energy products. Um, mm-hmm. Our LNGs were up. You know, so you can make money in this. But you have to be a freaking dart thrower and you have to be at the right sectors that are outperforming because people, you know, are not buying their natural gas from Russia. Got it. So got to be got to be selective. No doubt about that. All right, Toby, let's go to the break right now, because we're coming up. After the break, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, the upcoming earnings season. We've seen uh, actually the forecasts are much lower than than they were when we started the quarter. And we'll get into that. And also the economic data is coming out. And also news of the week. There's been, you know, it's not just about the Fed. There was also obviously the crypto story with, uh, with SBK. But we'll talk a little bit about that as well. So please stay with us. We'll be right back. Buy, hold, sell live, brought to you by Transformity Research. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcast, and now available on YouTube. Did you know that 82% of all internet traffic is video? At Bigwig Media, we believe that not only is video the present, it's the future. Are you looking to tell your story in a more dynamic and effective way? Bigwig is designed to be your production studio whenever you need it. Our team will give you a tour and a consultation to identify your needs and we'll make it easy for you. Bigwig works with trade associations, corporations, and nonprofit advocacy groups to provide broadcast quality content, media trainings, capture stakeholder fly-ins, and hold live and virtual events. Everybody is a Bigwig at Bigwig Media. Let's tell your story. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. 
Travis Carmichael, the seemingly social financier who successfully left behind a blue-collar Baltimore upbringing by transforming himself into an elite hedge fund manager branded with a sterling reputation for creating enviable profit machines for many of the world's most powerful people. His success proved costly as he became incessantly vulnerable after a series of careless mistakes and poor decisions originated from his love affair with the brilliant and stunningly beautiful Russian operative Naomi Nutt. Through a roller coaster journey of greed, mystery, sex, and murder, Travis and Naomi's metamorphosis from scorching Wall Street couple to unrecoverable bliss is forever locked for posterity as one of New York City's most interesting tales. Coming to you from former Wall Street hedge fund executive and frequent contributor on CNBC, Fox News, Bloomberg, and CNN, I, Todd Schoenberger, feature a historical novel inspired by true events, including but not limited to those who possess impenetrable dreams of Manhattan wealth and the consuming lifestyle it perpetuates. Please pick up your copy of No Lie Lives Forever, available on Amazon and finer bookstores near you. Have you ever found yourself scrolling through financial news and wondering, how does any of this affect me? How can I read a major headline and truly understand what impact that has on not only my portfolio, but my life? Well, our goal on the podcast Inside the Street, hosted by Wall Street analyst Sela Shifre Partners, is to provide public investors and young professionals with a deeper understanding of the mechanics that drive those major headlines. And what better way to dive into these mechanics and hosting Wall Street analysts themselves to discuss the newest trends in finance firsthand? Well, on our show, we bring you real perspectives from the front line. Hearing these analysts give commentary has made our listeners much more well-versed on the financial markets. This approach to discussion allows our listeners to engage in conversation with much more educated opinions and predictions. So be sure to check out our show, Inside the Street, wherever you find your podcasts. Welcome back, everyone, to BHS Live. Well, we saw the markets down for the second straight week, and actually, this was our worst week uh, performing week since September, and it doesn't seem like the, the bleeding is going to be stopping anytime soon. I think all that talk with Jeffrey Hirsch uh, last month, Toby, when we talked about a potential Santa Claus rally, I don't see it happening right now unless I know, cancel Santa Claus. And I bet him, a, I bet him a dinner with you included at uh, my favorite Del Frisco's in Midtown, New York. Yes. Um, yes, that's right. No, and that will be happening. Yeah, but remember, he's using history as a context. And my argument against that is there's nothing in this economy that's relative to any history we've ever had other than World War II. So it doesn't make sense to me in my t- tiny little wee brain to say, well, gosh, you know, in 1970 and 1980 and 70 may have been the right context. But 70, we, we didn't have any Santa Claus rallies in the 70s. So that doesn't count. We've had like 82 or 84 different times where the market has moved more than 2% in a day. That's never happened since 2008. But we've never had this combination of macroeconomic, you know, essentially hills to climb. Um, and so, you know, history it rhymes, but it doesn't uh, necessarily repeat itself unless you had the same construct. And now I'll shut up. Right. No, no. Well, for the listeners of the show, Jeff, Jeffrey Hirsch is the editor in chief of the Stock Traders Almanac. You and can a great simply guy and Google. A good Oh, okay. Great, great friend of the show as well. Uh, Been on the show uh, several times. And for for the listeners that want to reference what Toby was just speaking about, uh, you can simply look up the show that we had last month with Jeffrey Hirsch. It's it's titled uh, Jeff Hirsch is is in there. So I definitely want to check it out. It's definitely worth uh, listening to, especially that first blog. It was very exciting. Uh, that that's for sure. And we will be having that dinner 
regardless of uh, who the loser is, who the winner is, it doesn't matter. No, we will we're going to have a live the, show have the when we do it. The yeah. picking up the tab. That's the there you go. That's right. That's what we would do need to talk about. So uh, so that what, that remains to be seen. So we will we'll talk about that, uh, obviously, in the next few shows. It's we'll over. Some the details, hopefully, for our singing, fans. Okay. We'll be the there. <laughs> well, it does. Well, you know, I mean, and not to, to stay with this subject, but Jeff was actually talking about a potential Santa Claus rally, and he's holding to it. I mean, you know, he, he's sticking with that, uh, with his forecast. And normally, history has shown us that Santa Claus rallies actually start taking place the week prior to Christmas, which is next week. But right now, all signal, all signs are, are signaling more selling pressure that's going yeah. to be taking place. So let's talk about that a little bit, Toby, because going yeah. into the first quarter of the year, it's going to we're going to be talking about these Q4 earnings. And when we started the the quarter, September 30th, there was a there was a consensus estimate from Wall Street analysts that said that we would see earnings growth 4%, which was incredible for the fourth quarter and now suddenly it's negative. I actually heard on Bloomberg yesterday, it's actually where Wall Street yeah. economists are predicting earnings to be dropping by um, by just as little as, as one half of one percent, but you would suspect if that is the case, and that's when average for the S and P five hundred companies, you're going to have another a, a considerable amount of those companies that are going to be coming in with just hard well, I, I earnings. But is that the case? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, Todd, if you look at the November data, department stores down 3%, furniture stores, building, you know, electronic stores, online retailers, everything that faces the the consumer is down. Yeah. What people are missing a little bit is, you know, what was the crappiest index this week were banks. Everybody's on this idea that, man, you know, uh, they're going to be able to uh, raise uh, you know, raise rates on their funds. So therefore their cash flow minus their interest costs is going to go up. But when banks go down, particularly this late in the cycle, they're going down because people who invest in banks have a little spreadsheet that says, well, you know, if we have a 3% default rate, that's way ahead of the game. Now they're changing the, the, the slide and saying, yeah, but when we go to a 6 and 7% default rate for, you know, the reasonable credit people, but we lose our ass on the on the low credit quality people, they have to write that stuff off immediately. Yeah. So that's what flips their earnings upside down. And banks yeah. are the worst. Well, they should be because we should be pricing for a recession. I can't tell you that how deep the recession is going to be because of the employment imbalance, but we know that but we have to get to five to five and a half percent, maybe six percent unemployment, so that then that the pressure of demand falls so down that prices come down because no one's buying at the higher prices or they're buying much less. And the, and the, the retailers, the store, the food, so on and so forth, comes down because of less demand. Inflation is more demand and supply, and deflation or disinflation is more supply than demand. That and, is your and economics 101 I, course for today, Todd. It's a great, no doubt, Professor. Absolutely, and I, and I love <laughs> it. And But when you, when you look at the banks, and you are absolutely right, it's just common sense, though. When you have higher rates, people are not going to be able to afford loans because they can't afford the yeah. monthly payments. At the margin. I mean, right now, at the margin. You, an American-made pickup truck, the Ford F-150, oh. is now, you can, it's going to cost you anywhere between eighty dollars to $90,000 for an American pickup truck and guess what the number one repossessed car in America is? 
the Ford F one fifty. Right. People can't afford the truck. Well, so you have so you have that people can't afford these loans either. So you have that going on. Hold on, Toby. Then yeah. on the other side of it, you have the savings rate. You had a report that came out yesterday that said sixty three percent of Americans are now living paycheck to paycheck. They are not saving any money. If people don't have any money in savings, the banks don't have any money to go out and lend. And so that's a big issue. And then the other side of this is the layoffs. Goldman Sachs a couple of weeks ago said, oh, we're only going to be laying off 200 people. Now it's 4,000 people. And now you can suspect that they're all going to follow all the other banks. And that mm-hmm. means they're trying to find profit centers within their own organizations. And it's, it's going to be really challenging for those banks. So right now, unless you're going to have the volatility from the investment banking side and the trading side, but t- today was a triple witching day. Happens once a quarter. It's not all the time. So you're not going to have the trading flows and the trading volumes that are going to be able to to really mask those losses down the line. I think the financials right now are a place that you definitely want to stay away from. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a few exceptions to that, but 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 you can't buy the index. I guess what I'm trying to say is you have to be you have to be throwing darts here. You can't be you know throwing bombs in it. And uh, you know the ones I actually like uh, are like MetLife. MetLife um, is uh, has a huge investment portfolio. It's highly hedged. They sell off their risk, and that's like the best performing financial stock. It's up about twenty four percent for the year. Well, I, you know these guys are down. There are some pieces of this puzzle. American Express had a really good number, and they you know they have a much higher credit score. And the, and the financial and the financial firms that that do specialize on the insurance side. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. Actually, it's a no brainer considering the fact that people are continuing to live longer, yet they own life insurance. Well, that means they're paying longer or more on those premiums, even for term policies. I mean, you could be a a 70 year old and still get a 10 year term policy right now. I mean, it's incredible. You know, premiums are going to be high. But the point being is that people are going to be doing that because they obviously want to want to leave money for for whomever. Yeah. But the point well, the yeah. point being though yeah. that helps those insurance companies and that's why those insurance companies are doing well. Yeah. I mean not, everything's not a turd out here, okay? But right. the, but if you're economically uh, sensitive, your business is sensitive that way, or you're in the housing, you know, the reason why housing is 22 to 26, depending what how you make the numbers, a percent of the freaking economy is all the input parts, everything that goes in, all the labor that goes in, all the windows that goes in, you know, yet there are areas in the United States, particularly in Wisconsin, I don't know why, that they make more windows than any other place in the world, right? And when, when you stop making enough windows, pretty soon you say, well, the least experienced are the first ones to go. Uh, yeah. Then there was this myth, Todd, that I still strive me nuts, that there's $1.3 trillion of cash in people's checking accounts from the, uh, you know, the, the checks from the government and the COVID and stuff. They're, our, they're in our checking accounts because we didn't spend them. <laughs> Yeah. But most people, you know, again, the bottom, remember the bottom 70% of the United States, well, the bottom 60% owns only 5% of the wealth, home equity, right. stocks, et cetera. The top 20%, we own 85% of the wealth and have and yeah. cash. Therefore, golly gee, you need to go through these numbers again and, and see that, I mean, I'll tell you here in, in, in Scottsdale, Arizona, but Maricopa, you know, our homeless rates now up 14%. Uh, I, I, we do a lot of work with the homeless uh, shelters down here. And it's either the rents went up and they couldn't afford the rent uh, or they lost a job and they don't have family. Um, and yeah. it's it's 
skyrocketed. So yeah, that's uh, that, those are all precursors to a recession. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. You know what, Toby? Let's go right into it because we've been having a lot of our our listeners. They they've been sending us notes and they want to know when we're going to bring buy hold sell back. Let's just get right to it, Toby. Okay. Let's make some money right now. Give me the buy hold sell for next week. What do you think right now? What should our listeners be doing for well, their portfolio? Here's what we're buying, and and Tell again me. we're up. Well, you know, almost 28% this month. Okay. Uh, what we're buying are oil product tankers with high yield. So, and then, and then also a bulk shipping. So we like Genco ticker symbols, G N K G N K. Yes. They, they live Love on it. the, what's known as the Baltic dry index is, is shows what rates they're getting per day. The Baltic dry index sort of bottomed two weeks ago. It's been up, you know, six out of seven days. The reason is, is, is that, you know, China is now finally starting to operate again, although, you know, the whole, the whole, I don't want to get me started on the zero tolerance thing, because now their economy is even worse because people are, you know, dropping from COVID like flies now. And I don't know about you, but when, you know, when there's 700, 800 million people all living in, in big cities, they're going to drop, but they're putting big money in back in to try to salvage their real estate business. Do you realize, Todd, that when people buy a condominium in China, 75% of people buy those condominiums for cash and no. they prepay it. And the what? developers, <laughs> yeah, and the developers took cash, you know, went to Macau, bought some materials, but they're going to rescue that. And that that's good for iron ore because that's what steel's made out of, et cetera. So we like Genco, GNK. We like the um, uh, TRMD, Tormed, which is a... a, a a spot tanker for sending diesel, sending oil, et cetera. And they pay great dividends. Um, and then the, the other one that we just love is GOGL, which is a uh, also a bulk shipper. They're paying okay. us about a 24% yield. So the, the bull market within the bear market is this Russian exit, which I've called Rexit for everybody who listens to the show knows. The beneficiaries of telling uh, Russia to go F.O., uh, on their energy means that they got to get up from someplace. And the, the mileage used to be, let's say, 8,700 kilometers to go from, from Houston to whoever. Now you got to go 32,000 kilometers to, in some of these cases. So it means the boats are on the water for 87 days, as opposed to 32 days. And guess what? They haven't been making any of these ships. The only ships that are being made are LNG ships, but those things aren't going to be ready till 2025. So this is a sweet spot. So get some great dividends and get some appreciation because these things sell at a three times PE ratio, meaning okay. three times their, their earnings. All right. So I'll go with that one. I like that. I like that one. That's a really good one. Um, you know, in, in, in the holds, there's not much of holding. I'm, we, we own, uh, we have our, our accounts at uh, uh, Interactive Brokers. Interactive Brokers paying us four and a half percent yield on our cash. So I would hold that cash. Uh, and number, I get, and the sell is if you have taxable income from your investments this year, this is the time to sell them. The market's going lower. Take the loss and 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 then get the benefit of the tax write-off because many times you can sort of wash your loss just with the tax loss. But you got to do it now. Um, it, it you know you got to get it done before the end of the year. So okay. You know, the, the losers you have, you held on too long and they're in, you know, they're high P tech stocks or whatever. Sell the friggin' things, get the cash uh, and then, you know, invest Or in, in my other favorite side, which is the the what we call the Dexit, the decarbonization play. Um, just buy the TAN, T-A-N. It's a it's an ETF that has solar and wind and, and other uh, hydrogen. And um, that's the one part of the world where revenue is going up, demand's going up um, and the, the stocks are not uh, too uh, pricey. And okay. I've talked about okay. many of them over the last you know, few months. Enphase, S-E-D-G-E, uh, yeah. First Solar for sure. 
array although you can you know but it's just easier to buy the tan t-a-n etf for most people okay okay i like that you gotta sell what about you big boy <laughs> are you selling anything um well no because we're 72 okay. percent in cash right that's all okay. i gave being in cash um, i got you now okay all right that's good enough okay okay but Listen, i would say this i would say this tell me if, if tell you're me. if you've been really long oil for a variety of reasons, you know, China's not going to open up near as fast and oil, they're the biggest oil empire in the world. So, yeah. um, you know, if you owned Devon, like we did for a long time, Devon, Devon Energy, from, yeah, Devon from 30 to like 80, I'd be selling uh, Devon here uh, just simply because in a global recession, this is not a USA recession, in a global recession at the margin, there will be demand destruction. Jobs are lost. People aren't flying as much. People aren't commuting as much, yada, yada, yada. Um, and so I, I think oil needs is going to need to get down into the 60s uh, before we start to get some support. Okay, I like it. I like that a lot. And you you have, um, that's a valid point because right now though, we are seeing oil prices, West, West Texas Intermediate, we saw uh, was down over 2% today. It is in the 70, uh, $70 range, which is quite unheard of. We've talked about that on the show several times. How just a few months ago we were worried we were going to hit a record high of yeah. over 147 a barrel, which is incredible. So, so that's where we are. But here's my buy: Archer uh. Daniels Midland. Archer Daniels yeah. Midland. Okay, it's a food processing plant. And one thing I learned, Toby, when you and I were on the shows, we're on Fox, we're on national TV all the time. I remember right before there was a there was a pending recession. Back in 2008, I'm not sure if you remember that or not, but uh, but but here I was on I was on Neil Cavuto's show, and we had one of these stock pick things, and I don't know what I'm I was suggesting, but whatever I said was way off, and I had that guy, uh, what was his name, the hedge fund guy Rogers, what was his first name, the older dude, you know who I'm talking about, oh, Jim John Rogers, Rogers? Jim, yeah. Rogers. Jim Rogers, yeah, Jim, so Jim starts giving me a hard time on the show. I wish I had a clip about it. But one thing I learned from him, and he, the guy, I mean, he's very wealthy for a reason because he's smart in investing. But he was right. When you're going into a recession, you want to look at things like food, grain. You want to look at cotton. You want to look at those types of companies. Yes, and are, here we are. Yeah, those are those essential. Are staples, that's all, yeah. yeah, you got to live. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you're not going to suggest buying a Mercedes Benz, obviously. So, so Archer Daniels Midland right now, the stock is doing extremely well, actually. And they're looking at their earnings doubling, their earnings per share doubling in Q4. That says to me that's a stock that you want. It's up 35% already year to date. I can only think that going into 2023, you're going to have this stock's going to be uh, really rallying much more. Also, much bear, more in mind, bear in mind, uh, you know, th they're a, another Brexit beneficiary because they're, you know, a huge amount of, of uh, beans and yeah. uh, yada, yada, yada. And so, yeah, I like, I like it. I'm going to look at it as soon as we get off the air here. Yeah, you definitely should. This the uh, it does have a dividend. Dividend yield is only about one one spot seven percent. But the reason being is is because the stock's done so well this year. So, uh, but you're still getting some type of income off of that. Okay, my hold really goes into what you were talking about with oil. And you're right. If you have a chance to lock in those profits, take advantage of it. I'm a big believer in big oil. I always have been. It's one of those companies that, and it's oil is just as important as oxygen to human beings. Yep. And and because of that, companies like an Exxon Mobil, the Chevron, the ConocoPhillips, but Exxon is the winner out of all of them. And the reason why is because when there was pressure to cut dividends, they decided not to. They actually held on. They actually increased their dividend the last quarter, and they've been buying back their own stock. Um, the, the stock's up 64% year-to-date for this year. It's one of the big winners uh, in the S&P 500. 
And you can only suspect that if you didn't sell and lock in the profits right now, it is still a great long-term play. So I'm going to suggest holding on to that. And my sell has got to be anything with crypto right now. I think that is as toxic as it gets. The story that we, we could talk a little bit more about it, Toby. We talked a lot about it on Tuesday's show. But when you see the, the problems that are taking place and now all the issues that, are, that Capitol Hill is looking at and the potential regulatory environment, I mean, you have anything, if you haven't already sold Bitcoin, which dipped below 17,000 today, I, you have to get yeah. out of this stuff. Yeah. It is a, it's worse than the wild, wild west. So mm. that's going to be myself for our listeners right well, now. Remember I hope they're listening Tuesday, and I hope they take, take, take advantage. Remember from Tuesday, I said, Todd, watch, here's what's going to happen. Somebody on the inside gave them up. And then this morning, you're shot, right. Shot. You were right. You, you, right. you caught it. I mean, the New York Post even talked about that. I think Lydia Moynihan, who is a friend of the show, is listening to you, Toby, because she put out an article talking about the 28-year-old who worked as a CFO for the company who was actually in a relationship with this yeah. guy, Sam Bankman-Fried. And actually, and they, they split up and they think that she is the one who actually is the telltale given all the all the information that to uh to to the cops basically and saying look this is what's going on this guy was using quickbooks and he didn't know what he was doing so yeah it's gonna I'd it's gonna get too. real interesting it's, yeah 28 billion valuation for a company and and hang on let me put it my my phone out so i put my quickbooks uh, thing in yeah, <laughs> yeah you, never, you know he'd never run a business he'd never done any i mean he was a trader at june um uh, street capital downtown new york and just you know figured out that i could buy he could buy a million dollars worth of bitcoin in the united states price and sell it for you know three percent more or five percent more sometimes ten percent more to another exchange well you know you do five or ten percent a day todd it all adds up yeah the question mark of him getting arrested the day before he was supposed to appear on capitol hill though is suspicious but we're never going to get down to the bottom of that and the truth of that and i think a lot of it has to do with the donations that he was giving to the democrats and republicans yeah. and trying to have influence in washington and that probably would have come out in testimony but realistically it doesn't really matter anyway because the timing of it is irrelevant what the guy was doing was was uh, he had yeah, to be arrested that, i mean the fact that it took as long as it did it's yeah. suspicious. 26 years in Washington, D.C. taught me this. If, if he hadn't been arrested, none of those guys would admit that they got <laughs> donations from him in the multi-million dollar size. I mean, he wanted to be a big swinging you-know-what in D.C. And, um, and the only way to become a big swinging you-know-what is to have a giant checkbook. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about that, and especially in Washington. Well, a lot of those politicians right now are doing a lot of CYA action, and they're going to yes. have to think about they're not going to give the money back to him, and which will then go to the investor, or not back to him, um, but back to the company, which should then be passed through to those investors who lost money. Uh, they'll probably be looking at some donations. So I'm sure there's a lot of well, people going hat in you hand know right the term, now, too, on Capitol Hill. Clawback, right, Todd? Clawback. Yes, yes. If, yes. if you illegally sourced those funds and you donated them, Sayonara, Charlie, you got to give money back. Yeah, uh, that's so true. I am absolutely sure that they'll have, you know, the, the, the feds are going to come in and claw back those donations, and that's going to go into the into the pool. I love the fact that the attorney's making $1,300 an hour. Uh, I know. I know. Got to sit on to law school. Time to get a... <laughs> Time to buy a castle, brother. You're going to be doing it for about three years times eight no. hours times. Oof, that's a lot yeah, of Yeah, I know, I know. And, that, and the person that he is actually in right now 
is as um, as it's been stated by the old warden of that prison is that it's not fit for humanity because I mean it sounds absolutely horrible. So if horrible. You if you think he's having a, a great time or he's yeah. at you know Camp Fed right now, it's definitely not happening for the guy. And he's in there the until February eighth. Todd, the real only reason I know you're from Baltimore is when you said horrible. Only people from Baltimore. <laughs> there you go. All right, well, one, one final thing here for the listeners. So coming sure. up next week, you have housing data that's coming out. I know it's we're bumping right into Christmas. Traders have left town. But you can only suspect that all the housing data, including durable goods orders, are going to be negative and they're going to be down. And that yeah. means you're going to have further pressure, a further selling pressure for anybody who is still around the trade. Uh, next week and obviously going into the final week of 2022. Yeah, and, and let me just say this because I've been saying for the last six months or however long we were doing it, it may have been three years, it feels like it. But, uh, <laughs> but in a bear market, you have bear market rallies. And what a bear market rally is, is when people are shorting housing stocks, for instance, and they drop like 30%, you're sitting with a 30% profit, but you have to buy the stock back to lock in the profit because you borrowed right. it from your broker, right? So we see these, you know, the what, the 82 times that the markets move 2%, but use the 200-day moving average, and, and, and that is the ultimate arbiter. We got just a little bit above the 200-day in, in uh, that last rally September. We got a little bit above the 200-day, and then as the earnings and other stuff came in, boom, it went down. In the first quarter of, this year, of next year, when we start getting the fourth quarter of last year uh, data, um, that, you know, that has to get quote unquote priced in. Uh, but I suggest that you look at the companies that have missed their numbers in, in the third quarter of this year, it's not getting any better for them for the most yeah. part. Unless you're, you know, I, I, I can't even come up with one, but um, uh, you know, but Hey, I like waste management. They're local here. They're putting on the big the golf tournament in, in uh, February, the same weekend as the, as the Super Bowl. You think it's going to be busy out here? <laughs> um, that's a perfect business if you want to hide out, even with public yeah. services, because, you know, the uh, the guys eventually show up in our neighborhood. You have this thing where you can put stuff that that's too big to go out in the trash. You know, it's like the pickup waste day. Yeah. And they all advertised it. it was like two weeks ago. So everybody put their trash out. I remember like boxes and stuff. They were there for two weeks. I took a picture and I, I was going to post <laughs> it. I said, Welcome to a rich person's dump. You know, people are dumping <laughs> stuff here. And then oh I thought goodness. maybe, you know, I, maybe the HOA wouldn't like this. I didn't. <laughs> the HOA, I love it. Well, yeah. that's great, Toby. Well, listen, right, we're going to, that. this was great, great knowledge. And for all the listeners, check out what Toby has to say. He, uh, he writes religiously for Transformity Research. You want to see what he and the rest of the analysts are talking about. And uh, for more, for more, um, for more uh, knowledge based on. Did you call me a moron? Wait a minute. I not at all. Not at <laughs> all. Not, not no chance of that happening. All right. All well, right. listen, ladies and gentlemen, thanks a lot for listening to this episode. We'll, uh, we'll have more episodes next week going into Christmas. We're also putting together a year in review. It's going to be fantastic. We are going to have some special guests as well. We're looking to do, uh, we'll have that out, obviously, before the end of the year. So uh, so on behalf of Tobin Smith, I'm Todd Schoenberger. Thanks again. Have a wonderful weekend. And go Ravens. We have a critical game tomorrow against the Cleveland Browns, Toby. I'm supporting critical you 100%. Game. I'm a Ravens fan tomorrow when I put my money where my mouth is. Love it. Love it. So, all right. Well, we'll talk about it then on the next show. Have a great weekend. Take care. 
On any given day in Washington, policy proposals are created, debated, and decimated by tens of thousands of people and organizations working behind the scenes. On 80 Proof Politics, a guest and I will visit a D.C. watering hole and distill the art of advocacy by pulling back the curtain a bit and taking a look at how they play their part in the sausage factory we call our federal government. So if you're at all interested in how the sausage is made, pull up a chair, grab a drink, and join us. After all, what goes better with sausage than a tall, cold one?